Thank you, Ed and choir. Let me ask you to take your Bibles, first of all, to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22 with me for a moment. I, I want to use the passage there as a springboard text into what Derek read you earlier from John, chapter 21. Luke, chapter 22. Uh, today we continue our study of these post-resurrection appearances of Jesus Christ. And you'll remember that there are two common denominators in each and every one of these appearances. Surprise and faith. They were surprised by seeing Jesus or him being in their midst. And then that surprise and what he did or what he told them or how he ministered to them bolstered their faith. And we're going to see that very same thing all over again today. Uh, we're no difference. Now, where we left off last week, you remember, was in the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John. And the disciples had gone to Galilee, just like Jesus told them to, had gone to Galilee, and he said, I'm going to meet you up on a mountain. Just stay there. Well, when we begin reading in the 21st chapter, we find that seven of them, uh, Peter said, you know, I'm going back to fishing. And uh, six others went with them. All of those were seasoned fishermen. And so they'd fished all night long and had caught nothing. Zero. Nada. Not a single minnow. And so as they were moving towards shore, they were still about 100 yards out, a man on the shore cried out to them and said, Hey kids, you didn't catch anything tonight, did you? And the response was, No. And so he said, Throw your net over the right-hand side of the boat. Surprisingly enough, they obeyed. Professional seasoned fishermen taking advice from a landlubber a hundred yards away did what they were asked. They threw the net over the right side of the boat. And then there was such a huge haul of fish it began to sink the boat itself. And John the Beloved said, It's the Lord. Peter grabbed his tunic, bam, into the water he went and right to be with Jesus. When the boat got to shore, uh, they found that Jesus had prepared a breakfast for them on a, a, a coal fire, charcoal fire. And some bread and fish were already there uh, roasting. He said, bring some others over. And they had breakfast together. Now that's where we're going to pick up in our story. But before we do, as you've turned to Luke chapter 22, I want to set a little background. Luke chapter 22 and if you'll find verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Indeed, Satan has asked for you. Your Bible may say demanded. And that's correct. Has asked for you that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen the brethren. But Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And then Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. It's important to get the setting of that denial was right on the tails of Jesus warning him that this sifting was about to happen. Let's pray together. Father, we find ourselves this morning in this 
awkward time when you publicly interrogate again one of your disciples. We joined in the upper room as you did that with Thomas, who had publicly challenged and said that he would not believe unless he could put his actual finger in the wounds of Christ. And because he had publicly said that, you had to publicly challenge him. Here we find Peter, and you're publicly challenging him because he has publicly said he'd never be the one. All these others may forsake you, Lord, but not me. Lord, we've had those braggadocious words in our own mouth from time to time, haven't we? Maybe this morning we need to have a similar conversation with you. Take us right up to your heart, Lord Jesus. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Now, be turning again, if you will, over to John 21, where we'll be getting there in just a moment. Jesus questioned Peter about his love relationship. Peter had braggadociously said, others may forsake you. Others may step away. Others' love may, may fizzle out, but not mine. I will go to prison with you. I'll even go to the death with you. And then Jesus had to say, Peter, <laughs> for all of your, your, your faith in yourself, <laughs> before the rooster crows, you're going to have denied me publicly three times. As we read through this passage where Jesus then has to come back and pick up and challenge Peter, let me remind you of one very important thing. There is a meeting between Peter and Jesus that we don't know a lot about. On resurrection day, sometime during the day, there was a one-on-one -on -one meeting between Jesus and Peter. We can only wonder the specifics of what happened at that meeting. But we know the, re the relationship was so well reconciled that when we get to this point, Peter, without hesitation, bounds out of the boat and hurries to the shore. He wants to be with Jesus, and he feels comfortable being with Jesus. But there's still some things that have to be settled. There's still some matters that need to be addressed. Begin reading with me in John chapter 21. With verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Now underline more than these. We're going to come back to that in a few minutes and talk about it. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. And Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, <coughs> do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. And then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because Jesus had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. 
Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you that when you were younger, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. But when you're old and when you stretch out your hands, another will gird you and carry you where you do not want to go. And this he spoke signifying by what death Peter would glorify God. When he had spoken this, he said to Peter, follow me. Peter was excited to see Jesus by the shore. He was excited to be reunited with him yet again. To be in his presence once again, there was still some unfinished business. You know, even when you've met with Jesus, like y'all met with him this morning, when you had your quiet time with him before you got up and came here, that doesn't mean that there's still not outstanding business that you and I have with the Lord. And so I'll ask you even now to be thinking, what is some of that unfinished business that you and the Lord have to deal with even today? When I think about all that happened here, when I think about Jesus telling Peter ahead of time, Satan has demanded to sift you. And then when you have returned to me, when you've come back to me, when you've come to yourself and waken up, I want you to strengthen my brethren. That moment in Luke 22 is happening in John 21. That's happening right here. I think I, I, I can deduce that if we were to talk to Peter, if we were to ask him right now about that encounter on the seashore with Jesus, he would say, Jesus wanted to talk about what had happened in my heart. That's your first fill-in-the-blank right there. Jesus wanted to talk to me about what had happened in my heart. And Jesus wants to speak to you today Personally, one-on-one, -on -one, He wants to speak to you today about what has happened in your heart. This is still critical for Him to know. It's, it's key to know that Jesus knew Peter's heart already. Jesus was not asking a question that He did not know the answer to. Jesus did not need this conversation. Peter needed this conversation. And that's why Jesus was having it. it when any time in the Scriptures that, that Jesus, that God, asks a question, it's not because He's ignorant and needs some information. It's always because the one to whom He's speaking needs to have this information revealed to them and for it to impact their life. And so we find here in this, this strange place some things going on that I want you to just unwrap with me. We have a few clues here that Peter knew exactly where Jesus was driving. First of all is down in verse 9. We find that Peter approaches Jesus and Jesus has built a little charcoal fire there by the side of the Sea of Galilee. And he's already got bread and he's already got some fish roasting. It was early in the morning. Gathered around a charcoal fire. There is only one other instance in the whole New Testament that involves an early morning gathering around a charcoal fire. And that was the night that Peter was outside in the courtyard of Caiaphas the high priest. And inside, Caiaphas and others were, were putting Jesus through a great inquisition. 
But Peter gathered outside, warming himself around a charcoal fire in the early morning hours. I don't think that point was missed by Peter at all. I think here was a moment of deja vu. Only this time, Jesus is not in the room with Caiaphas. He's there by the charcoal fire with him. I think the second clue that Peter knew exactly what was coming has to do with the structure of the conversation. Jesus asked basically the same question three times. The first one is a little different. But each time he asked a question, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Now let's deal with the first one because it is a little different. Do you love me more than these? Commentators have been split over the years about what these is. One line of thinking is that these is, do you love me more than these fish and the nets and the boats? Because you see, I, I told you to wait for me up on the mountain, and I come back and I find you here fishing. I find you come back to life that you thought you could understand and that you could control. Life as it used to be. I came back to find you, and this is where I find you here on the Sea of Galilee, not up on the mountain. Do you love me more than being a fisherman? I called you, Peter, to be a fisher of men. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than life as you know it? Do you love me enough to walk in newness of life? Or have you got to walk in the way that you feel like you have some control? Am I getting through to anybody yet? Think about this a moment. Do you love me more than you being in control of your life? Do you love me enough to trust me with your life? Other commentators say, no, it's not so much the fish or the nets or the boats. It's the other disciples. Do you love me more than these other disciples, Peter? Because you see, Peter had stood up and said, Lord, I love you more than these bozos. They may quit on you. They may run off and leave you. But I won't. I'll be there. I'll go with you if it means me ended up in jail. I'll go with you if it means up me dying. And so he was saying, I love you more than these guys. So in both of these instances, Jesus had a, had a good question. I'm not sure which it is. I think it might be both. I don't know. Both of them are applicable. Peter had, had left waiting on the mountain to go down and do what, what he knew best, and that was fishing. Do you love me more than that, Peter? And he'd also very braggadociously said, I love you more than these other guys. Do you really love me more than Thomas or Matthew or James or John or Philip? Do you love me more than your brother? It's a good question. So, the first thing he said, what has happened in your heart, Peter? What's happened in your heart? You, you, you stood braggadociously saying how your love was, was stronger than anything. And now, what's happened with your heart, Peter? Have you been there? Have you been in that worship service where you're deeply, deeply moved? 
And, and, and you stand there and say, all to Jesus, I surrender. All I am, I freely give. Only to find in days or weeks, everything you put on the altar, you picked up and taken right back. Maybe, maybe you and Peter are not so different. Maybe Peter and I are really not so different. There are things that, that we will, in, in a moment of inspiration or a moment of joy or a moment of worship or whatever, say, Lord, you know, whatever it takes, wherever He leads, I'll go. And then Holy Spirit says, that neighbor around the corner. And you say, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> no, no, not that one. You hear me? Maybe we're not so much different from Peter. The first question, Peter would say, Jesus wanted to know what had happened in my heart. What happened in my heart was sin. What happened in my heart was me saying, I want what I want in my life. I know what's best for my life. And I'm going to live my life the way I want to. That's what had happened in my life. That's what's happened in your life. And the Bible says that has separated us from God. That is sin. And it has separated us eternally from God. And so something else has to happen. Peter would say, Jesus was interested in knowing what had happened in my heart. But the second thing he was very interested in is what is happening in my heart right now. What's happening in my heart right now. After all of that had happened in the past, Jesus brings him right into the present. Simon, do you love me? Do you love me, Simon? Now, you know from other studies of the Scriptures, I'm sure that of the sermons you've heard, that there are a couple of different words for love that are being kind of played against one another here. Uh, Jesus is asking in these first two questions using the word agape, which is the sacrificial, self-giving, covenant love of God. Do you love me this way? Peter responds each of the three times with the word phileo. Lord, I, I have this brotherly love for you, this deep, deep compassion and unity with you. The third time Jesus asked the question, he actually uses the same word that Peter does. Do you have this quality and, and timber of love for me? But don't get so caught up in that. Listen to the question itself. Here's what Jesus wants to know. What's going on in your heart right now? Do you love me? You see, the motivation to obey Christ, the only motivation to obey Christ that will last through the difficulties of time is your love for Him. It's not gritting your teeth and saying, I'm going to obey no matter what it takes. That's not going to get it. It's not some warm, warm, fuzzy moment you had as a child or a teenager. That's not going to get it. Do you now, today, do you love? Do we have a love relationship? Jesus wants to know. Do we have a love relationship with you and I? Are we in love with one another? Now, Peter was quick to say, Jesus, my love is not a perfect love. 
It's not agape love. It's not a perfect love like you have for me. I'm ready to admit that. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to argue that point with you anymore. I mean, when you see agape love demonstrated on the cross, how are you going to argue with that? And each time, you notice what Peter said? Lord, you know that I love you. Can you say that this morning? Can you say that looking Jesus eyeball to eyeball? Can you say that, Lord, you know my love is not a perfect love like yours is for me, but you know, you are my witness that I love you. If you've not come to that place today, then today's the time to come to that place. Today's the time to realize that the love God has for you is best reflected by that love right back to Him. I want you to fall in love with Jesus in a way that you won't ever get over. That it'll just keep getting better and better and sweeter and sweeter. What's happening in your heart? Peter, do you love me? Can you hear Him call your name? Tom, do you love me? Betty, do you love me? Fred, do you love me? No other motivation. No other motivation is going to get you through like that. Peter would say, Jesus wanted to talk to me about what had happened with my heart. He wanted to talk with me about what is happening in my heart. But he also wanted to talk with me about what will happen in my heart. That's our third point. You see, Jesus wasn't asking these questions to make Peter feel bad. He's not asking these questions of you today to make you feel bad. He's asking these questions today because there's another step. There's life out there that He wants us to go through together, walking in that unique love that we have with Him. What will happen in your heart? Each time Jesus asked the question, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Each time Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. And each time Jesus gave a response. And it wasn't just a response. He gave a command. A command. Because you see, when you and I say, Jesus, I love you, what follows is a command. How are you going to demonstrate that? How are you going to show that the love you say you have is real? And only a God who loves you will do that. But a God who loves us and expects our love in return does that. And it's no interesting. Look what it says right here. First of all, he says, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. This is nurture. This is nurturing the little ones. This is caring for the young ones in the faith. Not just the, the physically small, though those are included, but the young ones in the faith. Peter, you've been through the fire. What has happened in your heart and what is happening in your heart is transforming you into the kind of man I can trust.
I want to trust you to care for, to nurture my young'uns in the faith. To care for my babies. And you know, Peter would do that. Peter would do that. As you read his two letters, it's phenomenal the care and the love he has for the young believers in Christ. Simon, if you love me, will you take that love you have for me and will you let it focus on my little lambs? On the young ones. Let me tell you something, folks. Can I, can I run a chase quick rabbit right here? There is a scriptural reason that the head of our spear includes going after families who have children. There is a scriptural reason for that. As you and I nurture and care for the little ones, we are impacting those whole families. That's why that is so incredibly imperative for us. You with me on that? Okay, that rabbit's done running around the corner. I'll come back now. He said, feed my lambs. The second thing that he said, the second time he asked him, he said, I want you to tend my sheep. And the word right there is to shepherd. Shepherd this flock. Look over all of their needs. Some of them are wandering. You need to go get them and bring them back. Some of them are confused. You need to go straighten them out. Some of them are hurt and you need to go pour oil upon them and help them to be well. I want you to be the shepherd of my flock. When you read from First and Second Peter, this whole concept of shepherding comes through over and over and over and over again. Because this experience hit home. Peter, I'm interested in what your heart's going to be like, what will be happening in your heart. That you'll have an incredible love and compassion for my people. And that you have to do everything in your power to demonstrate that love and that care and that concern. That you can shepherd my flock. Finally, he said, Simon, do you love me? Simon said again, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And so he said, okay then, I want you to feed my sheep. And this feeding the sheep, this is different than nurturing or shepherding. Sheep, physical sheep are fed grain and grass. But God's sheep are fed the Word of God. He said, I want you to be feeding. I want you to be discipling my sheep. I want you to be feeding them those things that are substantive. Right out of the depths of the Word of the Father. Take the Word and break the bread of life to my sheep. These moments around the charcoal fire with Jesus, radically changed the entire direction of Peter's life. Because Jesus has stopped him long enough to say, I want us to look at what has happened in your heart. And I want us to look at what is happening in your heart right now. And what is going to happen in your heart as you follow my command. He sums it up very simply. He sums it up for Peter the same way He sums it up for you and I. 
with two little words that make all the difference in the world. Simon Peter, follow me. Follow me. Peter wasn't going to be able to follow him into heaven. We're going to look at that next week when he ascended into heaven. Peter wasn't able to follow him into heaven. That's not what Jesus was talking about. But follow him. You've seen how I have cared for the young ones. You've seen how I have shepherded each and every one of you. You've seen how I have broken the bread of life to you. Now you take the pattern that you've learned from me and you go do likewise. Follow me. A few words later, Peter, I think, was feeling was squirming, you know, a little bit. He said, well, uh, Jesus, what about that guy? And he pointed over to John. And Jesus said, that ain't none of your business. What I tell you? You follow me. That's all you've got to worry about. You don't have to worry about how John's following me or how Andrew's following me. You just have to worry about how you're following me. Peter gave his life following his Lord. Prophecy was given here and it actually came true. Peter, at the end of his ministry was bound, just like Jesus said he was. Led somewhere he didn't want to go, and that was to his own crucifixion. Peter gave his life for the man who gave his life for him. He followed Jesus right to a cross. And when he saw that the cross was going to be the means of his execution, he had just one request. I do not deserve to die the way my Lord died. Will you crucify me upside down? And they did. They nailed him upside down to the cross. And there he died. But he died doing exactly what Jesus called him to do. Peter, you follow. So here today, let's, let's draw this together. Let's make it for just a moment not about Peter, but make it about us. Because right now, Holy Spirit is wanting to have this conversation with you, with me, with each of us here. He's saying, let's talk about what's happened in your heart. Has your heart kind of grown cold towards me? Has life hurt you? And so now you've withdrawn has church maybe even hurt you? And so, maybe you've withdrawn? Have you found yourself maybe making one too many promises of what you'll do that others won't, and you're embarrassed? Have you maybe failed in the promises that you've made towards God? Listen. Jesus didn't run out on Peter. And he's not going to run out on you either. But he does have to ask a question. What's happened with your heart? Has your heart wandered away from me? Has your heart grown cold towards me? 
Because see, here's what I want to talk about now. What's happening in your heart right now? As I ask you by name, Eric, do you love me? Phil, do you love me? Sarah, do you love me? It's your response right now that deals with what's happened in the past and will determine what's going to happen in the future. Maybe you have to say, Lord, I don't know that I've ever had to honestly be able to say that I love you. I've appreciated things that you've done, but I've never fallen in love with you. Do you know you can do that today? Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart and calling you to Himself even now. Saying if you will accept the love God has that He personified through His Son Jesus Christ on the cross, that love will permeate every part of your being and change the way you do life. Will you receive Christ into your heart today as your Lord and Savior? You just crawl out, cry out to Him and say, Lord, I have let my love grow cold. I've let my love grow cold because I haven't been in Your Word. I haven't been together with Your, your people in Bible study and prayer. I, I, I haven't been diligent in so many ways. And I've just let my heart grow cold. The Bible says that we can cry out to Him, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Maybe that should be your prayer this morning. And hear me, after you've talked with Jesus about what has happened in your heart and what is happening in your heart, then He wants to talk to you about what will happen in your heart. Because He wants to use you to bring honor and glory to Himself as you surrender to that love and say yes to the calling He has on your life. He wants to use you even as he used Simon Peter. Simon's imperfect love, yeah, just like my imperfect love. Let me tell you what, it's not the quality of my love that matters, it's the quality of his love for me. And the more that love permeates me, the more love, my love changes to be more like his. Time to do business with God, okay? You bow your heads, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, even now, you're whispering these questions to our hearts. Whether here inside this sanctuary or in the dens and living rooms or bedrooms at home, Holy Spirit, you are actively sharing the love of God right now. Some of us may feel even like Peter felt that he had, he had done so badly, he had acted so wickedly, he had so incredibly denied you that there was no hope for him. But you came and met with Peter and let him know how much you still loved him. Today will you come and meet with some here in the sanctuary and some at home and let them know there's nothing, nothing they can do to diminish your love for us. Some of us need to come and confess before you, Lord, that our heart has not been right before you. 
maybe has grown cold. Maybe we've never surrendered our heart and life to you at all. But right now you're having this conversation with us. Let's talk about what's happened with your heart. Right now, you're doing something mysterious and wonderful and mystical in our hearts right now, Holy Spirit. You are fanning the flames and growing the white-hot coals of your love and our love for you. Out of that love, you call forth ministers and missionaries. Out of that love, you call forth witnesses. Out of that love, you call for great servants. And right now, you're fanning the flame in our hearts because of what you want to have happen in our hearts. In just a moment, Lord, we're going to sing a song that Ed's chosen for us. And it's a time for us to make decisions. Lord, I pray all, all over the sanctuary here and all at home that people will take these next few moments and enter into prayer with you, examining what has happened in their heart, what's happening right now, and what you want to happen. And that we might say yes to you. Some may be looking to join our church family. Will you encourage them to come in a few moments and sit on our front row and we'll join them and share with them in a few moments. Others may want to come to the altar and pray and just cry out to you say, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. This is your time, Lord. Move mightily as over you can. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.